0: Welcome to the T-Hood Podcast. I'm Moby. And I'm Leland Steele.
1: Well, another episode. No guests this time.
0: No. Boy, we're having a a string of no-guesters.
1: Well, it's the new
0: strain of COVID can actually
1: go over video chat now. So Uh, that's true. (laughs) The (laughs) The mutation. (laughs) Yeah, the (laughs)
0: mutation has adapted to rid the radio waves, and now it's everywhere. And so,
1: since since you're my boo, uh, you're my bubble. So can still <laughs>
0: your, your podcast <laughs> bubble. Well, did you hear that? It's in it's in Canada now, this new UK strain.
1: I did. Yeah. Blame the British. You know, they were <laughs> terrible colonial overlords and now they're they're plaguing us with their Well, shit. actually
0: I heard them saying that they are um I don't know what kind of punishment, but they're like either fining or, or gonna charge the the couple or whatever that didn't properly disclose their contact tracing and stuff. And as, as a result has, has let it spread basically.
1: Yeah. And I talked about that with my girlfriend and she just, uh, I don't know about an hour ago and she brought up a good point about it, which is like, you're going to see more people get dogs because then they'll be allowed out and they might have less kids. Like you're going to see behavioral changes from this.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what happened in wave one, right? Gonna get a dog from a pound anywhere during wave one.
1: Pound, yeah, dog dogs dogs everywhere. And the the other thing is like, okay, so it's creating like a double double standard in society. It's kind of like a, a workplace how smokers can get like a lot of smoke breaks but other people can't get breaks. Totally. Like people at yeah, my yeah. work get people at my work get tons of fucking smoke breaks all the time. You know, nobody else gets those breaks. I mean I guess we get coffee breaks, but it's not the same thing. So
0: Yeah no. Did you hear about? Did you hear about the couple trying to circumnavigate the the dog thing? And the, uh, a wife was had her husband on a leash, taking her husband for a walk. Well, that, that that's actually <laughs> what I was referring to. That's what I was referring to. <laughs> they both got fined fifteen hundred bucks. <laughs> I think it's because they broke curfew in uh, Quebec or whatever. They did, yeah. And like being locked <laughs> in
1: since eight PM is is pretty shitty. I mean, that's like an hour from now when we're recording. That would suck if that's your every day.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I don't I don't get the re- like it's like I had the same thinking during like wave 1 when like businesses had reduced hours. Like how does this make much sense compacting hours of operation for this you would assume the same amount of patrons that you have to service but into a narrower ta- time frame as far as keeping people safer. I, it seems counterintuitive to me. I don't I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I I think so too and you know people are going to find a way around this stuff to to basically stay sane so yeah people are going to get creative you'll see more people out during the day the weekends are going to be absolutely bonkers like oh, the yeah. afternoon yeah but yeah it's it's depressing well i mean that's our that's our pre banter there so
0: <laughs> you know what i am very surprised though like through this whole thing we've very rarely spoken about covid really so like it took us this long to actually really kind of talk about it like we kind of don't bother mentioning it really right like everyone knows it's there
1: yeah we we've kind of really more touched on just results of it like oh yeah we're doing a lot more video board gaming or mm-hmm. um something like that so yeah but we haven't actually really talked about the virus or its impact at all but I mean, you know, we're supposed to have fun here. I mean, that's that's why listener listens to us. Is, is we're we're all super fun. And so, you know, if we start having the t hood, uh, mental health cast, I, t- I don't know how popular that would
0: be. We're well, just you know, all so sad. These yeah, these fucking days, I could maybe use something like that. But fuck, fuck, fuck. Well, okay, let's. You're right. Let's get on to banter. Do you have banter?
1: I do have some banter. So I've got a couple. Do you have any, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The first one I have, uh, Deadpool, Deadpool 3, uh, rated R and part of the MCU. I think that's cool. I'm not necessarily surprised that uh, that uh, Deadpool is actually going to be rated R even in the MCU. I think were they to pull the plug and go PG-13, some sort of marketing person should tell them that they were going to lose a lot of a lot of uh viewers i mean that's part of the appeal of deadpool
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> do you have a comment on that good sir or no, at no This it's okay
0: at this, well i mean yeah deadpool 2 was okay i mean i i like the number uh first one better maybe because it was more novel i think is probably what it was right like that plays a lot into it for me i think it's just i don't know of course it's part of the MCU. Cool. And yeah, it makes sense It's rated R. I mean you're, it's just it is a logical choice.
1: Well good. So logic, uh, some logic does survive. <laughs> what is what is your first banter? Okay,
0: well I have two kind of closely related. One, uh I've been playing a lot of a lot of Slay the Spire very recently. Okay. Which if you're unfamiliar, it's uh it's like a deck it's a video game, but it's a deck builder as you're moving through the three Acts of this spire, um, you know, constructing your deck to combat the enemies and the or or random encounters or whatever. It's very addicting, it's re- super fun, it's easy to just play. And I've mostly been playing it just sitting on the couch watching Star Trek, more Star Trek. So I'm almost done Voyager now. I finished Deep oh, Space wow. Nine forever ago. I'm like halfway through season six of Voyager, <laughs> so I'm just okay, burning through. <laughs> I like Voyager. I was kind of disappointed how long it took seven of nine to join the show. I had no idea when when she just joined the show. So far, I think Deep Space Nine is uh, far superior. In my opinion, it just feels it's just like Voyager is just your when I think of Star Trek, Voyager is the stereotypical concept of Star Trek to me. No, no definitive overarching plot but just a lot of like you know episode of the week kind of things right obviously i mean it being a product of its time when it was first airing and stuff like that's how tv was consumed anyways right but i don't know i just felt like deep space 9 had had more of a more of a, a driving plot especially near the end of ds9
1: yeah I'm actually... One thing I'm surprised you haven't brought up about Voyager, Um, I, I actually own it all on DVD. I went through it maybe about four or five years ago, all of it. I found the first at least two seasons incredibly difficult to get through. I, I felt they were, for the most part, quite boring. I mean, not every episode was, but... And the weakness, how they approach the combat, I never get that. The combat's the exact same in Voyager all the fucking time. It's like, target the weapons array, then target the engines array, or flip those, and leave this homicidal enemy that wants to gut you just, like, dead in space, but of course you'll leave them with enough food or air. It's like,
0: just blow something (laughs) out of the sky once in a while. But I guess they, you know, I don't get that. I don't get that. Well, I mean, it's like... (laughs) It's very, um, it's very Starfleet, right? Like, that's like the whole, that's the whole Starfleet thing. But I agree with you, yeah. Like the the beginning of the show, uh, it was difficult to 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 get through, to, to like actually really enjoy. I mean, there's certainly some some good episodes. I mean, there's lots of great episodes in the later seasons. I mean, I just finished one, where the one where uh, Jane with uh, Captain Ransom on the other ship. On the Excelsior, yeah. no uh, Equinox. That was a great two-parter. Like that was dope. Yeah. So there's there's lots of gems in there, but you're right. Like it, the show starts. I don't know. It starts rough, and it, it seems weird though because like it starts like Voyager takes time. Like what in like the second or third season of DS Nine. Like that that there's overlap for those two shows, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know because I think I remember saying this about. Deep Space Nine is is, is, I enjoyed it a lot more than some other track because I've watched a a bit of The Next Generation and I think I liked it more because of the fact that it was just a space station and allowed for a lot a lot of differing stories to be told I think just in its just because of the setting as as strictly as a result of the setting of the space station
1: yeah you know it's interesting with DS9 as a Babylon 5 fan um, Babylon 5 fans tend to shit on DS9 by saying it was just a rip off of b5 because b5 was popular at the time so you know star trek will do our our, um space station show and maybe it took some inspiration from that but i mean certainly with the narrative that they went for and what it turned into i i don't think it's fair to just say it's you know some copycat show, mind you b5 did go in the direction of having a big interstellar war and they had like a small ship called the white star that was similar to that they could fly out and stuff like that. So, I mean, there are similarities. But, um, you know, I honestly think DS9 pulled it off better. Oh, interesting. For, for what I've seen. Yeah. I, the, well, I mean, B5 thought it was going to end. It had five seasons, but they thought they attended four. So they really had to compress the war into two seasons season three, which is great, and season four, which is still pretty great. But it was definitely compressed. And then when they were given a surprise, kind of re-up for season five they're kind of like okay well what do we do now so they basically made a giant epilogue which was okay but it it just didn't have the same stakes
0: so okay (laughs) oh (laughs) man i remember years ago you talking about babylon 5 and like I, i think i tried watching it and at the time couldn't get into it i remember watching like half of the first episode and just it didn't stick. It didn't, I don't know why it didn't stick with it. I, maybe I'd enjoy it more now, especially after Deep Space Nine. I think uh, I would enjoy comparing the two for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if you have a DVD player or whatever, but you're welcome. I I don't think they're on streaming, but you're welcome to borrow. So you might enjoy that, to be quite honest. That might be a good idea. My next banter is uh, just a little one. Um, Chris Pine has apparently had a lot of, chat with Patty Jenkins because they worked together on Wonder Woman 1984 and he knows a lot about Rogue Squadron her Star Wars movie he says he knows the entire plot and where they're going and he says it's absolutely fantastic and amazing so you have to take something like that with a giant handful of salt but that's uh (laughs) yeah I don't know that's that's good news (laughs) (laughs) now now that you're like silent I'm like okay does this actually even mean anything but um (laughs)
0: <laughs> to, well to me, I, I don't know what did uh what did pine say about ww 84 because apparently that sucks
1: yeah and that's the weirdest thing because apparently like it's not actually him like he's in the body of just a random guy but then they have him as an actor just because it's easier for the audience to realize that it's his character inside this oh. random guy
0: wow i didn't know that yeah so, okay yeah. So this, so, so this
1: whole time, like, you know, some random guy just shows up and says, I'm him. And like Wonder Woman, you know, speaks to him, bangs him, you know, does all this
0: stuff. So, so does does Diana see him as him or does Diana see the random dude? Diana sees the random dude. What the fuck? But, that is? But, but she knows. <laughs> she knows based
1: on how he talks and personality the fuck? that it's him. <laughs> And then there's this whole like weird group of commentators that are like, oh, this is so immoral that he took the spirit of a random innocent man. And I'm like, wow, people really overthink this shit on the Internet nowadays. But I guess that's nothing new. Yeah. You know, it's like with Frog Lady from The Mandalorian, how people were like, you know, Grogu, the baby Yoda, shouldn't be eating her eggs. Well, I'm sorry. I eat eggs all
0: the time. Yeah. Have you ever had fucking scrambled eggs? <laughs> scrambled eggs. And they specifically
1: mention the eggs are not fertilized in the show, too, which is hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine.
0: <laughs> that's bizarre. You know, I, I was going to watch uh, Wonder Woman 84 over the holidays, but I wasn't about to pay $30 to watch it. Because, mm. yeah, because uh, I think it's only in Canada. You can. Pay thirty bucks if you have a Crave subscription to to watch it, whereas right. I I think you can just watch it in the U.S. on HBO Max. Um, I, I'm not uh, I'm not actually sure about that, but there's yeah. I wasn't about to pay thirty dollars to watch it. Like I would even would even watch it with my brother. The two of us weren't like, nah, I don't think we're gonna pay thirty bucks to watch this.
1: Yeah. Now it's gonna be a weird movie for a weird, re- weird year for movie releases in that way. I mean, I, I tend to wonder if there's any release I'd splurge. I don't think I'd go down the rabbit hole of HBO Max just for a couple, a couple films.
0: WB's lineup is weak as fucking twenty twenty one. Oh, okay. It's it wouldn't be worth it. There's a lot of there's a lot of movies that may be interesting, but I have never heard of them or I have no, have no idea what the plots are. But there's what I, I think there's a new Suicide Squad movie in 2021. Uh. That's well, that's the only superhero stuff from WB. But everything else is like, mm, I was looking at the lineup trying to uh, a couple weeks ago, being like, what actually is coming out in 2021? Because I I was interested to maybe get it, but I don't think it's worth it. I don't I don't know. I wouldn't. I definitely would not do it, especially if you then <laughs> had to pay thirty dollars per movie on top of it to watch.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Well we'll we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting to see if they, they bomb out or or what. So
0: Um, what's your other banter? Uh that I just that was it. I kinda oh. rolled the Slay I mean, I didn't really talk about Slay the Spire. I guess I could talk more about Slay the Spire.
1: Well, I, I don't know what it is. What do you do?
0: Okay, so so literally like you I mean there are four characters in the game, but you need to unlock them as you progress through and so when I say like a spire, that's the the plot of the game, right? This, the loose narrative of the game. It's really broken into three acts that get exceedingly more and more difficult. There are multiple like levels per act that you kind of work through. And you have the map is like this branching pathways, right? And you can see what is at each point, either an enemy, like a, a shop or a question mark, which is a random event uh, and resting places where you can heal and stuff. You can upgrade your cards. Every time you defeat a monster, you get to add a card to your deck, right? And then you, like a, like a normal deck builder, you would play on the table. Every at the beginning of every turn, you draw a hand of five cards, and then you can play the cards. You have a certain amount of energy. The cards have an energy cost. Kind of the normal basis basics of a deck builder. Uh, but there's a lot of like like it's a perfect video game, and they actually are coming out with a physical version that you that is multiplayer. It's not just a solo version like the video game is. The, of course the the immediate thing, like my comments about it aren't aren't any any more unique than than Joe blows how if it's the exact same gameplay, it's gonna be incredibly tedious to maintain board state on on the table. like I mean if depending on the enemy, the enemy could have over a hundred hit points and your you know base strike card deals six. So every time you're turns are going by, you're removing. X amount of HP from every creep monster. Sometimes there's three or more enemies. Or like, I assume they found a way to streamline all that shit and maybe simplify it. But then that also might break or hurt the game because there's a lot of uh, a surprising amount of depth in the video game uh, just with the different card combinations. And you pick up relics that do a bunch of different powers and stuff. So I don't know. It's it's really fun. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know if you would dig it. Uh, I'm not sure actually.
1: Yeah, maybe I played at your place sometime or see it. I remember what's that game you, you were playing some game. It was either you or Dan listener, Dan, and uh it was called an epic. And I read always like, Oh, that sounds cool. I'll go buy it. And whoever of you I saw playing, was like a uh, no movie. You know, that's probably not your thing. And I bought it played like 30 seconds. It's like, yeah, this isn't my thing.
0: <laughs> that wasn't me. That was not me. That, that
1: happens. And I don't, I don't blame anybody for that. So,
0: Okay, that's cool.
1: Yeah, that's all I got. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into our first section here, our first main section. Crazy about cardboard.
0: What?
1: Sexy Six. Yes, this is me <laughs> announcing
0: that. <laughs> this is me announcing that segment. That's the first time in show's history.
1: It is. It is true. And a and, uh, <laughs> listener might be going, what the fuck's going on? Or listener probably more likely just doesn't even care. <laughs> um but, but uh the reason for that i had this idea when i was putting the show together crazy boat well obviously crazy boat cardboard board game um segment but you know i've been playing civilization 6 a lot again with non-listener joe and by the way i love how we're like dividing the world into listener and non-listener for the final battle or at least i uh,
0: <laughs> very binary
1: very binary. Uh, yeah, so Joe Joe and I were playing, and uh, we played a lot on Saturday. And it, was, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I just kept thinking through the whole thing. I'm like, this really is a board game in digital format. Like, there is nothing separating this game from a board game, except that, you know, I guess the UI, the interface, um, would not be fantastic. But, I mean, you'd have to adapt it for a board game. But... I don't know. In my opinion, it's it's basically a video board game. There are other board games that have been transferred into video games. So what's the difference? What's the mm. difference? Honestly, like on first, I know you played it a little bit. On first glance, what do you think about it as, as a potential board game?
0: Uh, yeah. First impressions, um, you're correct. I mean, the aesthetic of it, just the way, yeah, it offers you 3D models, but it's a, you know, it's a hex-based grid is what the map's broken out into, Obviously, that's very familiar for 4X games. Uh, I mean, 4X in general is very inspired um, in a lot of areas, right? And and there are a lot of aspects of a 4X title that I think are are easy to – maybe not easy is the word, but that are implemented, that really transcend, I guess, digital or physical, right?
1: I mean, one thing we've discussed on the show before is how much I feel that Twilight Imperium, you know, feels like like a a video game, forex video game. So I feel like like you played Twilight Imperium with me.
0: Yeah, uh, that's yeah. I, I mean, I never really thought of that the other way around. I mean, how many times have we? How many times have we been like? Man, a, a really dope implementation of this online would be awesome, and and there, there I mean there, there are on uh, tabletop simulator. I think has one that's that's a, apparently really good. Um, that Emma has played a, a couple of different times and really enjoys. So right, I think to to your overall point of this whole segment, really, I mean, yeah, Civ Six is may or may not be a great example of. The translation and the overlap, which is all, which really is what this show is about, is the overlap between these three aspects that we are always talking about. Is that the the online implementations, especially the, how popularized, of course, they are during this pandemic times. The best ones are obviously the ones that the table presence and the physical presence can already feel like and lean towards that type of interface, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. I think there's, I think there's just something inherently there in some of these designs that make them easily adaptable to play digitally.
1: Yeah. I think that's a good point. And I, you know, I think if I were trying to make this point, maybe 10 years ago, I would have much less of a leg to stand on, you know, without having so many tabletop simulators, at least, you know, high quality ones, you know, available and, and things like that. I mean, I guess one of my points is that it seems like we're merging, um, in the digital space, with board games a little bit. Like I don't want to, I don't want to use hyperbole here, but it just feels like, um, you know, just with all the different places you can play online board board games, actual board games online, that there's there's starting to be a little bit of a, an overlap there. I mean, I think you have to admit that there is. Yes. And, you know, I've got this note here saying, you know, in 2021, is the lack of a physical board that big of a deal? I mean, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of what we've discussed on the show in this past year, which is, you know, playing a lot more digital on digital board games or where do we play them. We are, we've already discussed that. But I certainly think the pandemic helps to make us think more about this and maybe consider new games that should be brought over. I mean... Companies could be making a killing if they're transferring these uh, these you know very popular board games to the digital space. I think. I mean, the pandemic should be with us for at least what six nine months, close to another year. I hate to admit. So.
0: Yeah, but you know, though, it feels like um, to to warrant a digital implementation, the physical version has to be pretty dang popular. I'm uh, mm-hmm. just kind of just off the top of my head some of the some of the better ones that have been created uh like terraforming mars and now recently uh the digital version of wingspan those are those are i mean in terraforming mars's uh example i think it went through like its own beta period and is now getting smooth and and you know polished but like the wingspan the version you can get on steam like people fucking love it like it's got like birds chirping and sound effects and Apparently a super slick interface um so uh, yeah yeah i think i think for sure there's there's additional money to be made within the hobby right i mean it's almost i don't know, i don't know what you call it like a sub genre i don't even know if it's that if it's even that distinct you know what i mean like like exactly still speaking to your point about this segment is i don't know if it's 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 worth the time to make a huge distinction and really start splitting hairs about the difference between a wingspan digital and a wingspan physical but the huge a huge part of this hobby though is physical interaction and and i think for some people um especially again coming out of like say that's coming out of 2021 now be pessimistic about how much longer all this shit's going to happen coming out of 2021 i know i mean Undoubtedly, there's going to be a large portion of people where playing digitally will replace playing physically for them. But I think on the other side of that margin, it's much larger for the people that it could never replace sitting down on the table with three other people and playing a physical board game. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, what's your opinion on that? Like, you had been playing less physical board games before the pandemic. We were just playing less and less. Are you more switched over to digital or would you like to go back? Would you like to play more physical with us and others?
0: Definitely physical, for sure physical. I mean, ever since Listener Riley and his and his wife moved away, like, yeah, my, because they were my regular gaming group, really, right? I mean, obviously, get together with T-HUD to play as much as possible. But nowadays, it's like uh, pre-pandemic, like it was just fewer and you were between right I mean again the only time that you and I were seeing each other was when we were recording when we were really getting together to record right like that was our hanging out our hangout time I mean what do you say you get older and you you, you gotta if you, you want it to be the priority you gotta just make it the priority yeah and obviously i wasn't I guess I wasn't I wasn't do, I mean not to <laughs> turn this into a fucking therapy center like, <laughs> right but uh but yeah, like if you want it to happen you gotta you gotta make it happen, and there are plenty of groups around you know the greater the g v r d that I could find if I wanted to branch out and find more people to play physical board games with and uh, yada 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 right so so yes again long winded answer no digital will will never replace the physical for me in general, that certainly does not discount whether or not a specific game digital version could completely replace the physical because there are a lot of physical games that just work so much better digitally because of all the behind-the-scenes, you know, fiddly management as far as resource allocation. You know, the myriad of shit that needs to get tracked potentially in a physical version is always going to be easier and way more, uh, you, know, you know, much more higher quality of life so to speak, playing digitally. So like obviously case case by case when it comes to individual games, but yeah, in general, no, no, it's it's physical. It's physical. I think we somehow I think we've touched
1: on this. I think back to Twilight Struggle. Was it Twilight Struggle? Uh yeah, Cold War. Yeah, Cold War. I just realized there's Twilight Struggle and Twilight Imperium, and we both like those games. The two Twilight yeah. <laughs>
0: Um
1: Yeah, Twilight Struggle you know, just because the rules are so opaque, I just like how the online version just keeps me in line. Now I still don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time, especially with like trying to switch influence, but at least I can click stuff and try.
0: Yeah. It figures yeah, yeah. it
1: out for me. But I digress and I wanna get back to, to Civilization Six. So I mean, you played a bit of it, right? But not for a while?
0: No, not 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 for my I mean the last game I played was with you and Ghost Marty. Oh wow. So, yeah, I mean, I I would love to contribute to your kind of and please feel free to give your own review and don't let me hold you back. But I want you to convince me to play it more because you love this game, right? You love this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love the game. And so, you know, here would be my pitch. And this is both to you and listeners. So the game Civilization VI, we consider it most most players the definitive uh, civilization game. So what it is is um, you basically start out with a, a settler, you can make a city with them. You s- usually set you know start out with one warrior or scout, and you found your city. And from then on, you have to grow your city, you have to make builders to collect nearby resources, build farms, stuff like that. You can make, of course, other settlers to spread out your your cities. I mean, it's four X. It's explore, it's expand, you know, it's exterminate. And um, of course, you meet other civilizations. These are all historical civilizations, um, but you meet others. Can- Canada's in the game, um, which is a lot of fun. Canada can't do surprise wars; they're the only country that cannot <laughs> declare a surprise okay. war. And their special building is like a hockey rink, which creates lots of culture.
0: Really? <laughs> yeah. The. Uh... <laughs>
1: That their special <laughs> unit is the is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police like yeah sure.
0: yes. <laughs> um, does that actually have what do the units look like do they, they actually have like Mounties on horses?
1: Uh, they do for that
0: unit. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, mind you, that's their special <laughs> units. So all their other right. normal units look look the same. Um, but yeah, so cert- certainly enough, you bump into other cultures. I mean, you can try to be peaceful, but. If you do, you're going to have a limit to how well you can do because you're going to get boxed in. I mean, on some of the maps, I guess, where there's um, oceans and stuff like that, you can uh, transport out, try to colonize. But then there's loyalty pressure. So you get too far from your home base, your city will have loyalty pressures. It could flip to the dark side. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's in your benefit, honestly, to have wars now and then, especially if someone – I mean, the AI and – real players, too, have only played a few games with real people, but overall the AI will be dicks. They'll, like, plant a city clearly inside your territory, and aggravatingly so. So it's either, you know, you roll over and be a pussy bitch, or you fight back and take it, and take some other cities while you're at it, out war. Mm-hmm. Um, so you grow through the ages, you research, you know, your guys with clubs turn into spearmen, turn into swordsmen. That's not entirely accurate. Those are actually slight different unit streams, but You get the point. They turn into musket type people then you know, infantry with guns all the way until the final, you know, which is like a giant mech that you can upgrade so many times. You can like jump way over mountains. He can, he can walk through the entire fucking ocean. No problem. No penalty. He's got like (laughs) particle cannons. He shoots (laughs) AA guns. Those are awesome. They're actually called giant death robots. That's the official name. Yeah, and then there's a few ways you can win. I mean, by building science and spaceports, you can fly to Alpha Centauri. That's a win. It's always been a win in in the Civilization games. You can win simply on score if time runs out. You can win by taking all the enemy capitals. You can win by religion, which is just boring as fuck in my mind, but you can do it. Hmm. In diplomacy, which is basically just be friends with everyone to the point that you get all these diplomatic points and then win. I challenge myself to do, like, that one in religion once but uh yeah it's usually not that well fine okay um the, the maps change every time so that keeps things fresh uh the civs that you play against can be randomized or you can set them
0: well and and that uh that random uh map was quite a large part of the development specifically for six wasn't it because that was one and one of the major changes from past civs right I mean it kind of set the foundation for how they really wanted some of the the later game mechanics to be affected and some of the gameplay streams that you can go down be affected right
1: yeah, I mean there were a number of changes the The actual randomization of the map um has been there for a while uh, so one of the big changes they made is that you used to your city used to be very vertical, so every building you needed to build like a granary or Or whatever, a barracks or whatever. That that would just be inside your city. And you'd have this huge stack of buildings there. Um and the outside of your city wouldn't really be much at all. You could maybe build like a little fort on a hex or something. So what they did is they created districts this time. So many but not all of the buildings are now outside districts. You plant a district nearby your city. The district can hold like three district specialty buildings. So like the market will have like the bank and the stock exchange and – well, actually, I think it's the market. It, it's, it's called the commercial zone and so it goes market, bank, stock exchange. Each mm-hmm. one of them gives you more and more gold. Mm-hmm. Now, that also makes it harder to defend because if someone's attacking your city, they can also just stomp a unit on there and spend an action point to pillage it, which you can always rebuild. You can repair. It takes hell of a long time. But you can do it. So that was a big change. Another big change in this one, which I actually don't like, um, and this is kind of later stuff. This is in some of their expansions from the past year or so. They've added a lot of weird supernatural elements that you can turn on or off. Like um, they've got this stupid one that Joe liked where by the end game, like meteorites would hit the map like every turn or second turn and like they would hit directly on someone's city. So people were just losing cities left, right, and center. And it's not fun. It's chaotic. You spent the whole day building these cities, and then that happens. There's one with the Secret Societies is okay. You can link up with the Secret Society. I don't think it really affects the game that much, though. So um, Mm -hmm. in that case, I don't really care. But, yeah, that's a thing. And, uh, oh, they've introduced heroes now. So, like, you can stumble upon... Like Hercules or King Arthur or something like that. Again, not realistic, but you know, as long as you have a certain building, you can run a pretty much a research program to uh, to bring one of them on your side. Then they spawn. They have a certain amount of terms. Their terms are like a combat unit that's really good. They can die, but then you can spend a lot of religious points to get them back. I don't like those changes. I I just like, I'm not saying I like the vanilla game. I like the new sieves and units that they've added and stuff like that. But I don't like that supernatural crap. That's just um, it's dumb. There's just other games for that. But hey, listener, if that happens to appeal to you, you know, if you're, if you love the pain of having a meteorite take out one of your cities every three or four turns that you spend like three hours building up, more power to you. But- well,
0: and I think that's also kind of the beauty for this, too, is how they, again, how they designed it and how they rolled it out is it's quite modular, right? Much like a physical board game would be with its own expansions. I mean, the modular expansions are really a proper way to do an, an expansion. If you, In my opinion, you, give, give, you can give the, the consumer a lot of shit, but then they can mix and match how they choose and play what they like leave with what they don't in the box and not, not, not have to bother with it, not to, not have to have it influence their game that they like enough to buy your fucking expansion for, <laughs> right? Yeah. Just for that expansion to take subtract from the gameplay they love so much in the base version. So I think that's very smart, smart design.
1: Yeah, okay, you're right about the modular. The only thing I would say is they, they run off one of those season pass programs for their um, expansions which are popular, but it does mean you pick up a lot of content you may not want to use.
0: Is that the only way to get the expansions is through the season pass? I'm actually not
1: sure because Joe did buy me the season pass for this year, so I haven't had to look oh, into okay. it for a while. I think it, I know in the past I could buy them individually, so.
0: Okay, so do you, I, I mean, Jesus Christ, we could fucking have, a, uh, have our own video game variety show about season passes probably and bitching yeah. fucking one about those. But did you, in your opinion then, with the amount of content you get, is the season pass worth it for civ 6? Uh it it
1: is it is but i think that's subjective. It is because i value it for the new civilizations that you get. Um mm-hmm. i like them. i think they add a lot. i think there's some good ones that have been added through the season pass program. It's those weird expansions and rule sets that i'm not a fan of.
0: Even you enjoying only a percentage of what has been released do you think the pass is still it's still worth it for you i think so <laughs> not
1: remembering how much the pass even cost because you yeah, bought it well. for me so early so like <laughs> right. i'm thinking in my mind like a, a 50 dollar pass in that
0: range. yeah like a 50 60 bucks for the year
1: yeah for a few civs, For the fact that you know i don't mind secret societies and we probably turn them on and i think it's added a few other units like i think the the giant death robots weren't there in the beginning, for sure. Those were added. Those are cool. Like, there's enough other stuff to make it barely worth it, in my yeah. mind. But the game is also addictive. I mean, it's just fun to play with the different civilizations. Some of them are very different in how they play. You know, again, the map's randomized. So much is randomized, and so I just really think it's it's fun. It's It would be fun for a lot of people. You know, the only people I wouldn't recommend it to are people like my brother, who just have always loved fast-paced Twitch games, arcade games, or shooters, and you just know it's not their type. Like, you just know they just wouldn't stick with it. Right. So, you know, had Marty still been alive, I might have recommended it to him. And he (laughs) plays, I think, a little bit, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he would be the kind of person that I I might recommend it to you, I wouldn't be sure. I mean, there's other people I know that love strategy games. So, like, of course, in their situation,
0: I would. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know if these are my kind of game because, like, I'm I'm really shit at them. So, like, I never really get to the end game and I don't get to see the cool giant death robots because I can't get there because I, I don't. Right. I mean, obviously, there's a, a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the more you play a specific civilization, the the better you'll get with them, right? The more familiar. I mean, it's the same as any other fucking game, right? The more you practice, practice, practice. I am saying the new Frontier Pass is fifty-three forty nine Canadian. And that was wow, what uh, pretty game close. Yeah, that was good. But I Ghost Marty and I got this free on the Epic Game Store in like June or whatever, like ages ago. That's why that's how I have it. Um I would not drop seventy nine ninety nine on a civilization game, knowing that I would not get my money worth because because of the type of game, and it's not because of its value uh subjective or objective to someone someone that's into those games. Also Civ 6 is on like every fucking platform now. <laughs> like it's all, it's all over the place.
1: Yeah. I heard the calculator version is very good actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, you know, I had written
0: down here as well, a
1: few other things. Cause I thought you had more experience with it, you know, Civs, units, strategies, and an overall
0: review of the game, but you don't know it no. as well as I thought. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what civilizations I've played. <laughs>
1: Well, you know what, instead of having another three and a half hour podcast episode, maybe we could just cut this this uh, uh, segment a little short with me making a final pitch that, okay, if you like the idea of you know taking a civilization, raising it through time, being able to win in multiple ways, the fact that you're always going to have a fresh board with units and places to go, lots of stuff to research, lots of cool history, whenever you research something like say the wheel, it'll give you the history of the wheel, I find that super interesting narration by sean fucking bean <laughs> it's old, so keep that in mind yeah he's really good
0: mm-hmm. yeah and you know just
1: look it up just look it up look look it up on youtube or, or something like that a little bit that's
0: cool i mean i know uh i know emma enjoys it and i think she and i have been saying that we want to <laughs> play a co-op like you say it's co-op to try that for a fuck since i've gotten it in june or whatever but I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but maybe, maybe I do like your pitch. I think your pitch is good. Again, it's like, I'm interested. I like the idea of a game like this. It's just when I go, when I personally go to try to implement it, it falls flat for me. And again, I, I, it's, it's difficult for me to pinpoint where it falls flat. I don't know. Maybe they're just not for me.
1: (laughs) By the way, through the history of my time knowing you, I think there's a lot of things you like the idea of but can't get into. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a Leland Steel commonality. <laughs> I hate to say
0: Very that. true. Very true. <laughs> Touche. Well, uh, take us to segment two, my friend. All right, movie musings. Where we're talking about Cobra Kai season three. Ha! Oh. There was
1: no.
0: There was no hawk. Scream. There was a hawk.
1: Wasn't there, there? Was a hawk. There was a. There was at least two hawks. There was one where he was no in the school. Way. It was pretty early on. There was one when he was in the dojo, when he stepped up to do something. I know. I know there was the cough.
0: Okay, I was fucking listening for it, and I completely missed them. Well, I mean, this season had so much,
1: and uh, unlike the last segment, we both seen this. We can actually call. Yeah.
0: Do we care about spoilers? We want to just get into it. I mean, it's fucking season three of the, but if you're not going to watch season three of Cobra Kai, you're not going to watch the show at all. You know what I mean? Like, we're.
1: Yeah, I, I would say let's go full spoilers simply for the fact because I'm thinking in my mind, how do we talk about it without spoilers? And there's really nothing you yeah. can say that isn't in the trailers. Right. I mean, right. so I, I just say dive in and listen. I mean, it is the last segment today. So. Can always, if you like us that much, you can pause it, watch, come back, and we we'd be flattered.
0: If how many episodes was this season? Like eight, eight, like twenty-five minute because I blitzed through it in a day oh, yeah. and was surprised I was done as quickly as I was. And I will say, when the last episode ended and there wasn't another episode, I was like, What the fuck? Where's the rest? I want more of it. So that's a good sign. Yeah,
1: it was. I think it was eight episodes. Um and they were kind of in that 25-minute range. What's interesting is I do feel that the season progressed a lot despite the fact that it's really only about 4 hours of content. Yeah. A lot I mean a lot changes.
0: Yeah, it does. Uh, you know what this show has been routinely doing. I think you had said something in in face over Facebook Messenger um that some like it's this show is really consistent. Uh, as far as its quality goes um and its in, in the writing of e- of the individual characters this show though every season like it feels like a lot of way more time in the show passes than what you think and it doesn't explicitly tell you how much time has passed but very clearly a lot has i mean obviously these kids skills just in karate their karate skills in general are progressing and obviously that takes time but like in season three, I mean, we had what Eli's arm was broken. He, you know, he was in a cast. By the end of he's out of it. So obviously he he's had the like what six to twelve weeks or whatever for that to repair and yeah whatever yeah. however right. So there's way more time that passes in the short amount of actual runtime than you than you really realize. And I think if you don't realize that, sometimes the 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 plot can feel like it's just turning on a dime.
1: Yes, yes. I, I agree with you. I just want to point out, I think the thing with Dimitri's cast was a mistake because the end of the show takes place at like around Christmas time, and I know the beginning is when they're coming back, I think, after the summer to school. So in my mind, it was a September through December show. Okay. And how, you know, how I took Dimitri's cast, like, I don't want to get medical here, but... I mean he broke the cast, you know, in the last school year. So he actually had some months with that cast on. Right?
0: No, no, no. I'm Go. um no no no. When uh when Hawk broke the dude's oh, arm yeah, in yeah, the that's right. arcade. That's what I mean. Okay. What what so that character is Dimitri. Who's Eli then? <laughs> okay, Eli is Hawk. Okay, Eli is Hawk. Okay, yeah, yeah. So so yeah, sorry. I misspoke then. Dimitri's broken arm. To D- arms
1: broken? Okay. Well, because I broke my arm. So I'm trying to think the timeline, though, because I was in grade six. You know what? I think eight weeks may have been about right to get it off. Okay. I think that was about right. I think it was like four for the big cast, then four for the smaller one, which was just wrist up.
0: Right. Because Daniel also flies to Japan and is out there for a significant amount of time. He's not flying there for a day trip, even though he's out there to save his business. He's out there for. I mean, he has to have been out there for at least a week, maybe two, because long enough for all this shit yeah. to be going on at home with Sam, and she's like compl- hasn't gone to school in like a week and is you know suffering from PTSD from this attack that she had from uh, what's the other girl's name? Uh, Tori. Tori, yeah, yeah, man, Tori's a psycho. Fuck.
1: She is. Yeah, you're right. I mean, time time does time does seem to pass, and they don't really tell us and. Yeah, it's surprising how little training we actually saw in season three. Mm -hmm. People are just kind of trained in the background now, and then you just see the consequences of what they're actually doing in the world that they're training. Yeah, Um, I mean, you've got, of course, you've got some scenes in the dojo, especially Cobra Kai, but it's more like you know the scene with the mouse or the scene with the new kids or something. You don't actually see them much training. I think there's maybe a small montage.
0: Yeah, so I, I I think in season three though every scene in the Cobra Kai dojo was for Kreese's benefit, like right? for his character's benefit, uh, because Kreese has a lot of focus in this season. He does. Oh yeah, even more so than like way more than he had in season two. Like he was an afterthought in season two compared to how much you got in season three, right? Like,
1: oh, I mean, I would virtually call him a main character, like the the third main oh, yeah. lead in this season, it, especially if you convince. I mean. So if you haven't seen the show, but you don't care about spoilers and you're listening right now, um, there's a huge portion of the show is flashbacks to Crease in Vietnam, young Crease, yeah. yeah. and why he went to Vietnam, how he was kind of a little bit of a pushover, but he always had this potential to fight back or at least try. And you know he be, he shows mercy at one point that gets him and his squad into huge trouble. Ends up mm-hmm. people die because of that,
0: and he has to kill his commanding
1: officer because he of kills his commander you know he was honestly a dick i mean i i would toss him off but he was
0: a prick but i mean like i've kind of trivialized that scene because like he actually didn't have to kill him he chose to let him drop they were being right. saved right that was the turning point and that's when he became crease right i think that's what they were trying to get that's when mercy left packed its bags and left <laughs> right as far right. as crease is concerned.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. So I don't mind that it's explained how Crease came to be. I thought that was cool. I don't want to see this series end with three fully redeemed nice guy characters.
0: Yeah, Crease is unredeemable. Like there's no.
1: Crease like, should not be redeemable. That's his character. He should probably die by accidentally hurting himself or something, trying to do some crazy kick or, or whatnot. Fall, break <laughs> his if. Break break is his old man hip. <laughs> I don't mind. I, I actually thought it's really cool how they've got like dojos like white, black, and gray. Because now with <laughs> with Eagle Fang karate, yeah. John, Johnny, Johnny's dojo is gray. Like he's pulled back and he's realized what was wrong with Cobra Kai, but he still believes that Miyagi Do is too weak, is too defensive. And I think as ridiculous as Eagle Fang is, there's that really good montage where you see them going through all three dojos and they're speaking about like their philosophy and stuff like that. I would want to join Eagle Fang karate. Like that's my style. Right. I'm not all out attack and, you know, being, being like a, an asshole, but you know, I'm, I like the idea that it's like aggressive stand up for yourself, be a badass, but don't be a prick.
0: I know. I agree. I think it, in generally in life there are times where you a person has to go on the offensive. You cannot just sit back and defend yourself against incoming attacks. So, do you think though this new training that Daniel son got in Japan for Miyagi Do this more offensive style and techniques mm-hmm. undermines all of that?
1: I reserve judgment on that i i need to really see how this philosophy takes hold in season four if they even touch on it at all or if they just used it as an excuse for him to fight chosen yeah which was cool i mean i'd never seen karate kid 2 was it 2 i think it was 2 where he goes to yeah yeah, yeah. it was 2 yeah and you know that whole meat on the nose thing instead of finishing yeah. him i thought i thought that was good and, and i thought it was awesome that you know chosen gives him this kind of extra information about Miyagi-do techniques. I think if anything where they should take it is to to further bring Daniel and Johnny together as much as they hate being brought together like they are right now because yeah. maybe the series ends with two separate dojos but they kind of you see them look at each other like yeah we know our our philosophies are closer than we'd like to admit.
0: Yeah. You think uh you think Johnny will be able to retake the Cobra Kai name or you think Cobra Kai is done? By the end of it, like the end of the series, Cobra Kai will be put in the grave.
1: Oh, that is a damn good question. Oh, that is a good question.
0: Cause I I think currently where Johnny's character is, he's past it. And he doesn't yeah. need it anymore. He doesn't need Cobra Kai anymore. You're
1: right. There's so many ghosts. There's so many
0: ghosts to it hmm well there's a fucking ghost walking around in the walls of the dojo his name is fucking john Creese. right like yeah. and like how do
1: you go back how do you how do you go back and be like yeah we're the old cobra kai now you know post crease is anyone gonna want to join that mm-hmm. i think it'd be hilarious if he just keeps eagle fang going forward <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean as lame as it is but that's yeah. johnny so yep. that's yep. that's my hope I want to ask you now, have you seen Karate Kid 2 or 3 growing up?
0: Uh, not 3. I think I don't think I've seen all of 2 in one sitting. Okay. My question being to
1: you is, Is how did you feel them bringing back uh, Chosen, Dan- I forget her name, Daniel's ex-girlfriend who's in Japan, as well as Allie? Um, I'd like you to comment on them either in aggregate or if you liked some, didn't like others. What do you think of those guest appearances?
0: I mean, they all didn't really mean anything to me, not like... Because again, like the sequels I'm less attached to the original. So I think it's it makes sense that they came back. I like I mean, I like the fact that Daniel went to Japan to try to get back to these roots that he's so ingrained in. I mean, yeah, they're not his biological roots, but there's still this this family that he found with um, with Miyagi and wants to get back to. I think it was it was cool him going back and finding a fucking shopping mall on the little village that that he was in, you know, 30 years ago. And and I, I think he, the fight with uh Chosen was good when he was, Daniel was getting his ass kicked. Like, that was good. Like, it was, yeah. it was I don't know. It, it, I liked it. And uh, Allie, her name is, right? Allie, you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think she, oh, she was a great recurring character. They handled her character exactly how they needed yeah. to. She definitely did not need to come in and stir up any additional fucking love interest bullshit. Like, that's not that just shows – it's funny how she seems to be – I mean, again, Allie and uh, Daniels – what's Daniels' wife's name? God, I always forget what her name I, is. I remember the real actress's name. That's the weirdest
1: thing, but I can't remember her name in this show.
0: But, like, those two women now, like, those two characters are, like, the two most mature characters in the entire yeah. series, right? Like, they are what you would think 30 years later a, a reasonable adult – would have come come to the 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 place in their life that they would come to the reflections on the past time, like when they were sitting at that Christmas party, just reminiscing about the good and the bad times, right? Like it's with you feel that it's with thirty years of hindsight. Right. Johnny and Daniel are not past that, like they don't have that hindsight because they're still in the they're still living thirty years ago, and yeah. they they need to mature, and I think they're they're both beginning to mature. I mean, by the end of season three like they've effectively joined forces right i mean yeah they have to because crease is a bigger threat it's like the enemy and if my enemy is my friend at this point uh right. but i think it, i think it's i think it makes sense like it makes sense nothing nowhere nowhere in the season did i feel like uh i don't think i don't feel like that character would do something like that but okay let me ask you can i well what did you think of ali what did you think of the, the there i want to ask you the same questions then she
1: was definitely the best of the three that was brought in. I didn't mind the other two. Like I chosen had a purpose, I think, in that he trained, you know, the more aggressive Miyagi Do techniques. Um, Daniel's ex girlfriend, she was probably the most forgettable. Mm-hmm. She's a nice person. She's a good actor, a- actress. She's a, she's a, in Picard as well. She play, plays the main bad guy. Hmm. But Allie was really good. For the reasons you're saying, she's a grounded character. She's a mature character. But the whole point of Cobra Kai was that Johnny wasn't just this pure evil, one-dimensional character in the first movie. That you know there were reasons he was angry. There were reasons he he was jealous of Daniel or fought him and stuff like that. And one of the main reasons is Daniel encroached in on his girlfriend. And they go through that like how I met your mother and like the famous thing that probably helped get Cobra Kai on the go. And so what you see is you see how Ali and Johnny actually related when times were good. And I honestly think it led to character development for Johnny, at least in my eyes, seeing mm-hmm. that, yeah, he was a good guy. He was a boyfriend. He really appreciated them. And like the two actors seemed to actually have pretty good chemistry. Like it was believable that they would have dated and, you know, had fun and be, be a good couple. I I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was really good. And I thought, um, Elizabeth Shue, the actress, uh, she really took it, took the role seriously. I love when they first get to the diner, (laughs) how Johnny overhears that guy ordered like a vegan, no soy (laughs) patty or something. And so he orders that too. She's like, Oh,
0: don't know what the fuck that is, but yeah, I'll take a burger.
1: (laughs) I'll have the cheeseburger. And I think, like, every guy has had a date like that at some point where they've tried to impress a girl, and the girl's just like, okay, all right.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, yeah, I thought that was great. And Daniel's wife is always so good. She's so good, like, just as an anchor, like you said, to show the ridiculousness of the story. That it's like these warring karate dojos leading children to fight. To the point that, like, one kid almost dies or gets mm-hmm. paralyzed. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam's got her scars because she got cut with those cat knuckles or whatever. And it's like, look at what you're doing.
0: Okay, so this is the one of the main questions I wanted to ask you about this season. Do you think it is getting too fantastical? Because this whole season was fucking bonkers with what Cobra Kai were doing and all the fighting in the fucking arcade and you know the the fucking end fight was great in the house when they literally threw that kid through the window and <laughs> broke into Daniel's house and trashed the fucking place. Like that was a great fight and a great scene and a real great end to the to the season. But like what <laughs> what? How? <laughs> like Well you're
1: you're right. You're right. It's it's walking that line and the problem that I have with it is there weren't consequences for that fight. Like it was like yeah. the fight happened, and the next thing you know, Daniel and Johnny are just like training the kids, and it's it's like no, you busted up his house, get the kids' parents to pay for it or something like that, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. there's no call your mom in this series, which is interesting. So yeah. These kids just just do their their shit. Yeah, it's it's fantastical. This season, Jeff definitely had a lot more fighting than um, training. I'm hoping that season four gets grounded and that it's more training and then you have like an epic episode or two that takes place at the the you know all state championship or whatever they call it, the valley championship. Um, you know, yeah, let's have some awesome fighting there. Let's have all these big pair-ups that that we like and are hoping for. I gotta tell you just I, I gotta say this just because I love I love this part of the series. I love how like um Dimitri, the nerd, gets like the hot blonde that comes back Mm -hmm. from france somehow that's believable i I don't know why it's believable but somehow it's just believable in my mind that that could happen just it seems like the nerds sometimes went out and dimitri's really grown on me i absolutely hated him like the first season for sure if not the second Mm
0: -hmm.
1: now he's it's weird because he's like He's like a geek, but he's a bit better.
0: I agree. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like that too. Uh, and and you're right. It, like it was, like it seemed believable. It really did. It really did. Like the relationships, they seem believable. The only the only, per the only character I'm really like having a problem with lately is Robbie. Like I don't like Robbie. I mean, he was he was fine in two. I don't feel sympathetic for any of the Cobra Kai people. Like. 'cause we got a bunch of scenes with like Tori's home life, right? And obviously her home life is really stressful and really fucked up. And like she's getting fucking pressured for sexual favors to pay rent from the fucking landlord. Like that's messed up shit, but I still don't sympathize with her. Like even yeah. like even that, that little spat she had with Miguel when outside of that sushi restaurant like she just I don't know, like M- I mean Miguel's obviously done a 360 back to where he was in season 1. A lot of the characters have but still, somehow, achieving growth, you know, like they're they're back, they're in they're they're in a lot of the same places, but for the different reasons, and I think more correct reasons as far as morality goes for a lot of the characters, right? But then you have some of the characters where they're they're just they just seem lost. Like Robbie just seems lost. Like he's just he just bounces around to everybody, right? And like his character doesn't feel like it has any. Any actual, like, substance to to his character, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think the case with Robbie,
1: he was, in my opinion, the most poorly written of the secondary slash main-ish characters this season. I mean, I think he's in jail for two full episodes, then yeah. he gets out. Um, clearly the only story beat, the only idea they had for him was, okay, he's going to end up as Crease's champion. Like everybody needs a champion out of these three dojos moving forward. So you, you have Sam, you have Miguel, they're the obvious ones. I mean, you could have gone with Hawk. He was probably the most obvious for, for Cobra Kai and that's how he starts. But, you know, they kind of displace Hawk. Uh, you know, I think where they're going with that is they they're just going to break him down. I think Hawk is actually going to be redeemed. Most of the kids will. I think Hawk has enough insecurities that he's going to eventually, you know, find out he's just Eli, and you're you're going to see him go back because mm-hmm. he's certainly seeming insecure right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's what Kreese preys on, though, right? Like, right. Like the the current members of Cobra Kai are there because Kreese knows he can get them and use them for what. And, like, what is Kreese's end goal? Like, he wants Johnny to be his fucking son? Like, there's two distinct times where he tells Johnny, this is your last chance. Join the dark side. I am am your father. father. Exactly. Like, two distinct times he tells him he's out of chances. So, is he finally out of chances? He must be. Like, what the fuck? What does Kreese want? I don't don't get it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're asking about Kreese's endgame, I mean, there's a few few famous characters from the the first three movies they haven't brought back yet. So, I mean, there was Terry Silver. I'm a little bit speaking out of my ass because I haven't seen the um, the movies, but I believe he was a rich bad guy who wanted to spread Cobra Kai like to other cities and stuff like that. So, I would not be surprised if. Crease now that he has his dojo and his people, he's going to get in touch with Terry Silver and try to spread Cobra Kai. Okay. Another possibility is to bring, somehow the two of them found, like, this super good karate guy that they basically hired. His name was Mike Barnes in the movie. And they just got Mike Barnes to be their champion. They basically bought him as a mercenary. And so you could bring him back somehow, too. Maybe he's gotten wealthy somehow. Yeah.
0: Chris makes a call to his war buddy, right? At the very end of the season to who knows what the hell he's going to do with that. Uh probably something to either try to hurt Daniel or Johnny, right? Like what the fuck else?
1: Right. Right. So I, again, my, my point is I think his idea is to spread his version of Cobra Kai outside the Valley. Hmm. So that's what we'll see. Maybe he'll, maybe he will be contingent on him, him or his champion uh, winning the tournament or something like that. So yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. They've really left season four open because yeah. all we know is they're training for this championship, and that's that's all there is. They can kind of do anything they want in between.
0: Okay. Well, here here just the thought occurred to me. What if they like flip the script and season four episode one is the Valley tournament, and then we see the fallout after the tournament for the rest mm-hmm. of season four. Ballsy yeah that could be cool because otherwise, what do they what do we have? I mean we have more training they're getting ready for the all valley for a whole season again, which they've done for the the last two seasons. It just feels like something fresh would be great,
1: yeah, I think so too. I'd be surprised if they went in that direction i'd be It'd be awesome if they did if like literally the first shots are suddenly you're at this tournament
0: hmm that'd it would be really be a cool
1: huge cut forward in time yeah (laughs) it just it reminds me of like planet terror when there's the missing reel and all of a sudden like all the personal (laughs) relationships
0: have like changed and
1: there's like new friends and and enemies are friends and it's like you know suddenly you've got like johnny and Danny like clasping hands like you son
0: of a bitch (laughs) it's like what happened what happened (laughs) that's funny (laughs) so uh, is season four supposed to be like a final season do they have they even thought of that do you they know have, it's
1: not it's not going to end in season four um so they said season four is on the end my guess is season five will be the end um but then apparently there's going to be some spinoffs they said they're very open to spinoffs i could see hmm. miguel spinning off running his own dojo easily i don't know what else you could see i mean johnny could move away on a sabbatical and start a new dojo like, Tori, I hope Tori is not redeemable. I would love to see her in prison by the end of this.
0: <laughs> A lot of those kids fucking should be. Yeah, she's kind of badass,
1: but, but still. Yeah, I think it's going to end. I think season five will be the last season, and then they're going to go with spinoffs.
0: Okay. I mean, the spinoffs will probably suck, right? Like, if it's not going to have the same magic. Uh, it couldn't possibly. They could be enjoyable. I guess if if you feel attached to a particular character that gets a spin-off, you might really like it. But like Miguel, Miguel can't have a ser- can't hold a series on his own. Miguel is a perfect secondary character. He's the, he's the one to facilitate other characters' growth while growing in the process. That's all he's there for. That's all he's good for. I mean, like he Miguel was the worst part of season 2, like by far. And he I mean, I wouldn't say he's the He's definitely not the best part of season three. He's just like kind of, again, he's there for Johnny to find redemption again. Right. Yeah. Just like he was in season one, like Miguel's serving a lot of the same purposes.
1: Yeah. I I mean, what Miguel is, what Miguel is going to be, I'm sure by the end is what Johnny could have been, what he should have been if he Mm. was. Raised properly. Like I, I don't think Miguel is ever going to be a Miyagi Do disciple. I don't think he's ever going to switch to that side. I think there's a level of sticking up for yourself and badassery that Miguel is not willing to give up. Yeah, but yeah, I could see. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think that's true. But I just think Miguel will basically be what Johnny should have been when this is all said and done. He, he kind of almost is already in some ways.
0: Yeah, I think so. You know, he's he's
1: calmer. He's not much as much of a bad guy, but yeah, he still has that inner kind of confidence to him. I think
0: I agree. Yeah.
1: I, I'm trying to think what else I want to touch on on this this show, but we've actually dug in pretty deep.
0: I think so. Yeah. Again, like there's really not, there's not much there, but like, it's good stuff. Like it's all good stuff. I don't think there was a single episode that I watched. that was like, ah, that was okay. Like they, I think they, again, they've, this show has always really utilized the, their time really effectively in their storytelling and they're telling a very fast paced story uh, very well. Like it's a, it's a great format for the story they're telling. I I don't, it's kind of, it's strange how how well it works, honestly, because if if you, there are so many instances where you could very easily stretch this shit out and add a bunch of filler that they're not adding that filler, which is, Mm -hmm. which is just the way you should run your fucking show. (laughs) We don't want filler. People don't want filler. They want fucking substance. Reminds me, have you finished Mandalorian? Did you get into it at all? No. I haven't watched season two yet, no. Is it over? Is it done? Yeah, it's done. Can I, can I get, okay, so I can get plus for a month and binge it? <laughs> and, that's, and then Pretty not, much. not yeah, watch yeah, anything else?
1: <laughs> yeah, I bring that up because it had like one filler episode that was so obvious this season and the rest were really oh, good. Yeah,
0: so yeah. yeah,
1: it's, and you, you know, people notice filler.
0: Season one had more than one filler episode though. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. But, um, I don't want to digress into that too much. Oh, well, I mean, maybe let's, uh, let's rate this thing. Let's rate okay. this show out of 10. What are you going to give season three?
0: I think I'm going to, man, I think I'll give it a, a solid, uh, eight Eagle fangs out of 10 Miyagi's. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's way better than average. Yeah. I, I actually,
1: similarly, am going to give it an eight. It. It's definitely, like, I
0: consider seven,
1: eh, kind of, you know, watchable. Eight is good. So it was good. And at nine, you're kind of like, rah, rah. Well, I wasn't there for that. It was good. I enjoyed it. I didn't binge it one night. I think I took two, um, despite the fact that I could have. And uh, it was entertaining. It was well acted. But, yeah, I mean, again, they, they have this thing where some characters kind of fall through the cracks a little bit or underutilized. And, like you said, it's getting a little bit more ridiculous, so those are slight strikes back, but I mean, I'm still excited as heck to watch season four when it comes out, so
0: yeah, exactly, you know one thing I actually I just thought of it was really funny in the in the very last fight how uh Miyagi do Eagle Fang side got a bunch of filler people f- to fighting on their side. Did you notice that? There are a bunch of additional oh. kids fighting for the good side. That weren't there when they were, you know, they had the fake Christmas party that got them together and they were having the discussions. There was like three additional kids fighting for them that no, weren't. No, I didn't notice. Yeah, they got some filler. They got some filler people <laughs> to flesh out their side. <laughs> they, they got some buddies, like Power Rangers. Because Johnny's and Daniel's crew, all of those kids are all what you could call main characters and, you know, main primary slash secondary characters whereas more than half of the cobra kai fang are just random faces They're just bodies to fill so right. i think that also is why because of the shorter run time like oh you're right a lot of these characters just don't get any service or screen time and then they're, they're suddenly there and then it's almost like they're caricatures of the situation that they're in because we don't know them and there's no additional depth to them kind of thing so that's a valid, definitely valid point. But yeah, they they got some filler. And I think they're gonna need to add some filler kids because their their ranks are pretty slim right now.
1: Right. You're right. It's just like random nerds. And maybe that's why I didn't notice it's like random <laughs> yeah. shrimp kids that you never notice in the hallway. It's like, okay, yeah. that kid's gonna chess class or whatever. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I, I mean I just don't there are a lot of like there's some reoccurring kids in all the dojos that I don't care about. Honestly, like yeah. there's the big, uh, big black kid that just doesn't, I don't think his story is really endearing. I mean, Aisha from season one and two, I think just like disappeared. But oh yeah. Kind of shit. Yeah.
0: Th- didn't they say like she moved away or some shit that she got like an offhand yeah. comment. Some shit
1: like that. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just a bunch I don't, don't care about. Mm-hmm. So even the bully coming back, from the, the first season. I was like, Hey, whatever.
0: I had no idea who he was until we saw the flashback.
1: Well, it's because he didn't make much of an impact.
0: Well, yeah, I just assumed they were telling us that those characters had significance through the, these new flashbacks. I did had, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Although when Eli beat the fuck out of that one dude, man, he tooled him. <laughs> like, holy fuck.
1: He did. That was, that was a good little scene.
0: Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, I, I think, um, I don't, I don't know how, if I, but Eli's little switch at the end, right in that last fight, I don't know. It was it it felt a little contrived when all the other relationships and they're, they're turning and they're flip flopping like it. It makes sense and it feels organic. His his definitely did not for me.
1: His didn't because he was supposed to be so far on the evil side and you know being rewarded for it in his life. You know getting more attention and respect. I mean, it's almost like oh we. <laughs> Here's a little Jurassic Park reference. Like, oh, we got Robbie. We got Robbie here. So, like, we don't need, <laughs> we don't need Hawk anymore because we got Robbie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so true. Well, that was good. Should we uh, end the show stuff then? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Get on here. All right. End of the show stuff. Our website, ttpopcast.com. It's all our show notes, our past episodes, written content, links to all our socials, Facebook. Instagram. Uh, I'm on Twitter, Leland underscore Steel. And that is who I've been.
1: And I've been Moby. And I'll just say what I always do. Take care, listener.
0: Thanks, listener.
1: Bye-bye.